Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again this week as we continue our conversation. Uh, I have on the set with me today again my oldest son, Jeremy, who is the pastor of Word That Frees in Winchester, Virginia. And I was watching his live stream the other day when I was in California, and he was sharing some things concerning uh, the taking of Jericho that I thought was profound, and I asked him to come back on again. Uh, we have, uh, over the last month or so, filmed, I think at least, I don't know, there's something like six, eight, maybe more than that, maybe nine programs that we, I think was nine, I think at least. Uh, on the program. By the way, it's good to have you back on the good program again. And uh, But we wanted to really kind of uh, really expand on this because he said he was saying some stuff on his live stream that I thought was powerfully important. Uh, you know, let me just uh, share this with you because uh, all through the scriptures, again, uh, there is this Exodus paradigm, especially the New Covenant. And I dealt with this especially in more length on our last program which by the way, if you've missed any of these uh, programs, especially on Joshua and the book of uh, Joshua, or any of our programs for that matter, you can go back and watch them on our YouTube channel. They are archived there where you can binge watch if you want week after week. And uh, they are on our YouTube channel. There is also an, a podcast where you can get the audio versions of this. And there is a RSS feed for your Android device. It's very simple to go into my website at lynnhiles.com, and you see the uh, address on the screen. In the upper right-hand corner, there's an icon there, because I'm not going to be able to go back and review every time, because we want to yeah. cover a lot of space uh, in this teaching, because I don't want to just talk about what we've came out of. I want to talk about where we should be possessing our possessions mm -hmm. and, and, and entering into the promised land, because what we have showed over the period of weeks is that the Exodus journey is so many times repeated throughout the New Testament as well, that everything that happened by type and shadow under Moses happened uh, you know, in the life of Jesus and the first century New Covenant people who are in transition in the New Covenant. Let me just give you something to hang that on, because 1 Corinthians 10 really gives us some biblical precedence. It said, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things, watch this, now these things became our examples. And they were written for our admonition to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And you do not become, watch this, idolaters as some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain as some of them also complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. This is what I'm after. Now all these things happen to them as examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends, the regular King James says, of the world have come. 
But the correct translation, this is New King James I'm reading from, said, now all these things happen to them as examples, and they are written for our admonition. I'm going to get somebody from my team to put this chart up on the screen in just a moment here. They are written for our admonition upon whom the ends, plural, of the ages have come. Now, let me just uh, say this to you. He was not talking to us. He was talking to the church at Corinth, a first century church. And he's saying to them, we're the people upon whom the ends, plural, of the ages have now come. And so he's telling them that everything that happened to them under Moses happened to them as examples for them, for us. He's talking to the church at Corinth. That's the audience relevance upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And how to put this on the screen, because I've used this in teaching uh, sessions a lot of places. But if you can just picture this, uh, this, uh, this circle here represents the old covenant age. Mm-hmm. And this circle represents the new covenant age. And Jesus, as we said in the last segment, I guess you need to go back and listen to it. Matthew chapter 23 and 24, Jesus says to them, that all of these things that he prophesied, wars, rumors of wars, the destruction of the temple, great tribulation such as was not, they'll deliver you up to be killed, Um, you know, on and on, the gospel of the kingdom being preached in all the world, all of that, he said, would take place. When Jesus prophesied, he starts talking, first of all, to these, these people who are standing there, and he said, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, for you killed the prophets. You, 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 you are the ones uh, that uh, are guilty of the blood of the, the martyrs from the blood of righteous Abel to the brother of Zacharias. He said, we'll come upon, Matthew 23, the last few verses says, we'll come upon this generation. So he tells it, he'll come on that generation. Yep. So a lot of the stuff we see fulfilled in the book of Revelation, because we're going to try to show you a little bit about how this, the, uh, the taking of Jericho is a, a pattern of what happened to apostate Jerusalem and the fall of Jerusalem. One city fell in the, you know, in the book of Joshua, but there's a city about to fall again. And just like you see Rahab the harlot received the inheritance, there's a people who are going to be called out of that system, but it's going to also be given to the Gentiles. And we've already talked about this, but many of the parables are dealing with that same thing, and we may delve into that some. I just need to set the stage for this. But when Jesus, they asked Jesus, and you shared some of this in the last segment, when will these things be? What will be the sign? And he, he answers their question, when will these things be? And what, you know, King James says, and the uh, uh, sign of your coming, and the end of the world. But again, that's King James' word, world, but it's translated in the new King James, not the end of the world as in the globe, but the end of the age. Of the age. And what we don't know is what age it was the end of, because we think Matthew 24 is about the end of this age, and we think it's about the end of this world, but the end is not cosmic, it's covenantal. Mm-hmm. And he tells them, this generation will not pass away. Well, Jesus gave that prophecy, Jeremy. And this is why also, this is why this is a world or an age without end. That's right. We, we are living in, according to Ephesians, a world without end. Mm-hmm. But what we don't, what people don't realize is that the ends of the ages is this is the back end of the old covenant age mm-hmm. and the front end of the new covenant age. So it's the ends of the ages, plural. But what most people don't know, Jesus gave that prophecy in 30 AD. It came to pass in 70 AD. This is powerful. It was 40 years that this 
and just exactly a parallel pattern of the old covenant wilderness journey was 40 years. Mm -hmm. So they're giving, God is giving them another 40 years to come out of their bondage. And we shared with them in the first segment just this last week about how he said uh, in Revelation 11, verse 8, their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Well, our Lord wasn't crucified in Sodom or Egypt. He was crucified in Jerusalem. So what he's showing that there's a different kind of an Egypt. There's a different kind of an exodus. He's talking about an exodus out of the religious bondage of a slave system of law and legalism, and Jerusalem was the centerpiece. And it would be a 40-year transition period, and all of the books of the New Testament are pretty much written during this period of time. And the writer of Hebrews, especially about 30-some about years into that, starts to tell them that it ended, yes, at the death of Christ, but it was fading away. In other words, there's 40 years for you to lose your Egyptian mindset and start thinking in terms of we've been brought out, but now it's time that we're brought in. And there are multiple pictures of this Exodus journey because everything that happened to them under type and shadow, just like you see him writing here in Corinthians that Jesus was the true bread that came down. He was the lamb that was slain, that was the Passover lamb that gave us entrance into the promised land. He was the rock that followed them. He even quotes the scripture, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. So he's really showing them an Exodus paradigm. So jump in there because you were talking about some of this stuff. Yeah, well, even, we even, the, even the transition, one of the transitions here you see in this, this yep. is that another pattern you see in scripture is that when... Uh, David was reigning over uh, Judah. Yep. The Ark of the Covenant was lost, but it was brought up to Judah. Yep. And he had it up here, but he had it in an open tabernacle. There yep. wasn't. He didn't have it in the Moses's tabernacle where it had the three rooms, but he had it in an open tent where everyone can see it. And up here, they have they have the actual Ark of the Covenant where the presence of the Lord was. But there's another temple where they have the, they have the they yep. have the tabernacle of Moses down in uh, the other part of Jerusalem, and but they're doing all the stuff. They're doing all the sacrifices. There are all the patterns of everything, but there's no there's no presence of God there. Yeah. And so that's exactly what's happening. Even in this forty year transition from the old covenant to the new covenant in Jesus' day, is that they had a they had a natural temple. Yep. That they were doing bread, all, lighting candles, killing animals, yep. killing animals, doing all the rituals, doing all the stuff. But where the presence of the Lord was now dwelling was not in that temple. But it was dwelling in the hearts of men now, yep. where it was open. Everyone had access to it. You could you could enter it in. So you see the transition. So the reason why, you know, when we're talking about the destruction, and we talked, we hit a little bit about this last week. But the reason why it's important. Why would God destroy that city? Why would He destroy that temple? The reason why is because as long as this old covenant system stands, you're always going to be in confusion. Yeah. We don't even have this temple still. Yep. And we still have confusion yep. as to what covenant we're in under, where we're supposed to yep. be. You know, people argue all the time. Well, you know, well, you want to talk about you're in grace and you, so you think we don't need the law and that you're giving people a light. No, because Paul says sin will no longer have any dominion over you because you are not under the law, but you're under grace. So if there is a problem with sin, if there is a struggle with sin, it is probably because there's still some law in our hearts. Yeah. There's still some old covenant stuff yep. that hasn't been driven out of us yet. Yep. And it has to begin to have our mind. We, you talk about repentance. We have to begin to have that, that repentance or that word metanoia mind change to change from this old covenant way of thinking 
to this new covenant. And if we don't, but here's the problem. If we don't teach, most people have not been taught this transition. Yeah. We're still waiting on a destruction to come. We're still waiting on God's wrath. We're still waiting on the end to come. And as long as we're still waiting on the end to come, we'll never fully inherit our inheritance. The reason why I began to study this book <clears throat> of Joshua again is because in chapter 13, there was a scripture, and he says, Joshua takes the people, and there's only about, I think, maybe only two or two and a half or three tribes, maybe max, that had actually got inheritance within the promised land. Yeah. There was some of them that just said, you know, we're, we're happy in the other side. We'll just live here. But there was this vast amount of, Joshua goes up, he shows them the vast amount of land that still had not been inherited yet. And he says to the people, how long will you not inherit your inheritance, yep. seeing that the land is subdued before you. Think about that. And I believe that that's really where we are right now. We are living in portions of our promise because we're still, we still believe there still has to be some, uh, something else happen. There still has to be another, uh, almost like it's like we wait for another uh, event. event. And we, we, you know, and here's how I saw it. And I, I, just to jump ahead, but Here's how I see it, because people will say, well, if, if it's all fulfilled and it's all finished, why is there all this bad stuff in the world? Well, in that promised land, when Joshua was showing them yep. the vast amount that had not been inherited, there were still enemies that were living in those, there was walled cities, there was still he, there was the valley of the giants there still that had not been inherited, there was, so there was giants that had not been defeated. There had been, there's things that are living there. But Jesus said, God said to those people then, he said, but these things are only there to keep this until you enter into it. So if we look in the world and we go, there's problems here. There's giant things that I don't know, you know, that, that how do we do this? Well, this land is subdued for, before you. In other words, their heart are already defeated. It's already melted inside of them. Yep. It's already your house. If you don't get up now and say, well, if that's the problem, then maybe we need to be like Caleb and say, I was 40 years old the first time I came into this promised land. And I knew what my inheritance was, but because everybody else decided we went, I spent 40 years in a wilderness, but at 80 years old, he said, I'm just as strong to enter into, to, to receive my inheritance as I was when I was 40. He went up and I believe the scripture says that he defeated three giants that day. At 80 years old, he defeated yep. three giants. Yep. We look at the problems in the world and we go, somebody else has got to fix this. Somebody else, this is too big. But I'm telling you, that might be your giant home. That might be your inheritance that God is showing you and saying, this is yours. And if you want it, if yep. that seems like a problem, but you want that house, I'm going to go, I'm going to, my spirit is with you and I'm going to go up with you yep. and we're going to kick some giant butt. Yeah. You know, but it's got to be, there's got to be a change in the mindset. Uh, of, of believers, and especially in the church today, that we begin to teach some things from the right covenant, from the right perspective. If we are, if we keep teaching this old covenant stuff, yep, we'll live in a wilderness. It'll be another generation that dies off. Yep, and God will teach us again and say it's possible you can enter into this, and you'll get there'll be a generation that rises up and says, okay, let's let's do this, let's yep. enter into it. So I'm my choice is this. My choice is to be the generation that says I'm going to call yep. it today. Yep. yep. I'm going to rise up and say, this is mine. This yep. is my house. This is my land. Yep. But one of the first things, but the first city they come, they, they, they come into contact with, just to get back on, I get excited about this stuff. Joshua chapter 6, 
Jericho is the first city that they fight against when they enter into this promised land. It's the first city to be taken. It says the walls of that city were straightly shut up because the people already felt defeated in their hearts and they were scared of what was about to happen. Mm -hmm. 70 AD, when Titus and his army, and this is your expertise and so you can jump in anytime, but when in 70 AD, when Titus and his armies, mm -hmm. they encompassed the city. And God, Jesus, I think in Matthew 24, even says, when you see Jerusalem encompassed with armies, encompassed with armies sign. you will know that the time is near, even at the door. And let him that's on the rooftop not come down, him that's in the field not returning. What he's saying to those people is, when you see this, it's time to flee. Yeah. Uh, Revelation says that those men went into the mountains and hid themselves and said, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. Yeah. Many of the believers that were in Jerusalem fled Jerusalem when they saw the armies yep. hid in the mountains, literally hid in the mountains, yep, yep, yep. and said, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. Yep. They saw it as the wrath of the Lamb. Uh, that city, but, but what happened was, was Titus encompassed that city, and it was right about the time of Passover, so there was an influx of pilgrims. Yep. He withdrew so that all that influx could go into that city and then closed it back up again because it's what he was thinking of. And I'm going to starve them out. They're going, you know, all the rebellion is going to surrender and we're going to be able to take this city easy. But what it created truly, because it was the wrath of the Lamb that was coming upon that city, is it was bringing all that old covenant system into that city and it was creating a tribulation like it never was and never would be again. When you read even the writings of Josephus, one of the stories, horrific stories, yeah. is that there was a woman who she'd been continually robbed, had all of her stuff taken. She's, famine. She's in a famine and she has a son. Finally, she says, there's, no, we're, there's nothing to live for. My son's going to die anyway. She takes and she roasts that baby. Yep. And it says the smell smelled so good that the robbers come in and said, you've been hiding, you've been holding off on us. And they were about to like, you know, I mean, they were about to go off on her. And then when they saw that she's sitting there eating her own child, they, I mean, it just literally made them sick. They left her alone. But that was, that was, and they knew That's it. That's how time. bad it was. That and was that, even those robbers knew. This is no doubt the judgment of God yeah, coming upon yeah. us. They saw it in that moment of this is a tribulation like it never been, nor ever will be again. Man, if somebody would hear that listening to this, that's been waiting on a tribulation, that was the tribulation, man. It's not in our future. It was not in our future. It was in our past. There was a tribulation that was like none other and will never be again. Why? Because we're able to enter, we're able to live in this promised land. But when Jer Joshua goes up against this city, it's straightly shut up. And it says, Joshua says when they go to get defeated, he says, uh, don't take anything from this city. Completely burn it with fire. Don't take no gold. Don't take no garments. Don't take no cattle. Don't take no slaves. Utterly destroyed this city because this city is a cursed city. When you look at the pattern even of the, this Jerusalem in 70 AD as a cursed city, why is it cursed? Why is there nothing that you can take from it? Well, right after the defeat of Jericho, and I'm jumping ahead just a little bit. Take your time. Right after the defeat of Jericho, there was a man who took some Babylonian garments from this city. God's wrath was kindled against not just him, but it began to be kindled against the whole, the whole nation at that yep, point. Yep. They go up to battle against the next city called Ai. AI's name means sin. They are they are the they get their butts kicked at AI. And they come back. Joshua goes, you know, I thought God was for us. I thought that, you know, these he was going to drive the inhabitants out from before. So he begins to inquire of God, what happened? He said, Well, you got a man in your camp 
that took from that accursed city. And what that's a picture of, if, if Jericho is a picture of Old Covenant Jerusalem, what will bring a whole defeat of people at the city of sin is when they still got some garments, when they're trying to clothe themselves in their in own self-righteousness, in a Babylonian garment, yeah. in their own self-righteousness. Now let me add this, because mm -hmm. see, what happens in, in the book of Revelation is, he calls the city of Jerusalem Babylon, the whore. And the reason, and I think the reason he does, there's several reasons, but one of the main reasons that I hang in on is where he said, in her was found the blood of the martyrs. And Jesus himself prophesied and said, Matthew 23, that upon you, the city of Jerusalem, will come all the blood of the martyrs from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias, and her was found the blood. So that he's calling that Babylon. Yep. So what that fits perfectly with the fact that if they had a Babylonian garment, and he had taken it, he had taken ahead. it, and he was buried it in his tent. Like yeah. he knew he wasn't supposed to have it buried. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. hold on to this. I'm gonna hold on to this for one day, just yeah. in case. We need a little bit of old covenant yeah, mixture. Just in case this doesn't pan out the way we thought, we can go back to this old covenant system. Yeah. But as long as you're holding on to that old covenant system, as long as you're trying to live according to the law, instead of living under the grace, the law will shut up faith. But also Paul would say, when the law came, sin revived, and I died. Yeah. So they, the law came. And he holding, also said, if anybody preaches any other gospel, let him be accursed. So he's not, when he goes on to say, which is not a gospel, in other words, if you go back and you preach the mixture of law and grace, you're bringing the curse because those that are under the law are under a curse. That's the only way you can curse people in the new yep. covenant. Go ahead. And so, what Powerful happened, stuff. So, so you see, so when you're seeing that they're getting defeated at the city of sin, just over this one Babylonian garment, and you're seeing what it, the destruction of Jericho, you're, uh, when you put this in the pattern, again, because it was four, they, they came out of the bondage of Egypt, speaks of them coming out of the bondage of the law. 40 years in the wilderness speaks of the 40-year uh, uh, gap that Jesus said, For this generation will not pass till all these things be fulfilled. The last thing to be destroyed when you come into the city, or the first thing to be destroyed, but it's really the, the, the first thing destroyed in this true new covenant system is that that old covenant Jerusalem, that city of uh, that kept us in bondage, that Babylonian system had to be destroyed and utterly burned. That's yep. what happened in yep. AD 70. That city was utterly yep. burned and destroyed. There wasn't one stone left upon another that wasn't tore down. And even Titus, after this is done, because it was not his desire yeah. to do this, he says, this was no doubt the wrath of God. Yep. This was no doubt. That's the Roman general saying yep. that. Yep. And he didn't even believe in that God at that yeah, moment. Yep. You know, and so, but the moment that system is, is removed, though, Rome begins to be converted on a major scale. Yeah. Christians begin to have influence within yeah. the why is that? Because we're entering into this age, and it's an age without end. Yeah. And so you begin to see that the world begins to be transformed. They were never transformed by this old covenant system. Never. Matter of fact, it was always, they were always coming in, in conflict with Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem, even with Jerusalem in that time period, even the disciples, the reason why at first they couldn't understand what Jesus was about to do on the cross, their mindset is, God's going to destroy all the other nations and set up this nation, and Jesus is going to sit on the throne just like David sat on the throne. And that was their mindset. Because, and when Jesus was crucified, that's why they're all in despair. That's why they're all distraught, because this didn't pan out the way they thought it was. Yeah. 
but he was setting up a a a throne yep. that was forever. Yeah, let me add this as well because you were saying a few minutes ago about how David's reign. You know, mm-hmm. you know, they had both the t- uh, the tabernacle of David and the tabernacle uh, of the old covenant down on Mount. But Acts fifteen shows the fulfillment of the picture of that because he says when the Gentiles are being brought in, he said to this agree the words of the prophets that I will return again and restore the tabernacle of David, that the residue of men might seek after him. The tabernacle of David included both Jew and Gentile. But what's crazy here is, again, David's reign was 40 years as well. And what was happening here in this 40-year transition is the old temple was being phased out. There's still lighting candles, burning mm-hmm. you know, incense and baking bread down on the mountain, but there's another tent up on Mount Zion where there's a real ark and the presence of God is there, and his kingdom was different than they were looking for. Matter of fact, when you read even the historical accounts of Josephus and different things, the daily sacrifices were still going on yep. until the very last moment, the last day when they went in and destroyed that last yep. part, yep. Yep. the daily sacrifices ceased, and that's when that city actually actually came to a fall and yeah, fell, yeah. is when the daily sacrifices fell. And so God was showing, again, the pattern is showing that this is not about a daily sacrifice in this old covenant temple, but the one sacrifice that was once and for all is Christ. And I had to, he had to put an end to that system. So again, we, we are still 2,000 years later, after this 40-year transition, we still have confusion over which covenant we live in, even without a temple. Yeah. Even without a priesthood, I know. Without, even without daily sacrifices. Most of the church world would go back to a physical temple and blood of bulls and goats, which is tragic to me. You yeah. Know? And so if if this would, the reason why the wrath of the Lamb came upon this system was because he was utterly doing away with it so that just like when they crossed the Red Sea, and we've said it before, and crossed the Jordan, there was no way back. Yeah. The reason why he came to a place called Jericho and just said, I want you to utterly burn this city, don't leave nothing of it left. This is an accursed city, is because he wanted nothing for you to go back to. Yeah. We were even the children of Israel were entering into this 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 promised land were not to go back to that. Yep. Because if you go back to that, even one Babylonian garment is going to cause you to be a slave or cause your defeat to sin. Again, it's not it's not grace that causes people to sin. It is law. It is the observance of the law, trying to create your own self-righteousness, trying to do this by your own works. That's what's going to cause their defeat. That's today. a Babylonian garment. It's a yeah. Babylonian garment, and so you, we have to have, we have to begin a transition and teach people this new covenant, this transition, and what it means that we are not living in. We're not even living in the days where we're waiting for a tribulation, but the seeing that the land is subdued before us. How long will we not inherit our inheritance? And you know, even even the thought where he says, "Go into the house of the harlot and bring out the woman." Yeah. Didn't say go bring out the harlot. He said, go bring, go into the house of the harlot, which Jerusalem is that adulterous harlot in Revelation. But there was a remnant that was drawn out and also the inclusion of the Gentile. Yep. So there was a people who, when he says, come out of her, my people, it's the same thing as he was dealing with in Jericho. Well, you know, we, we're just about out of time. So, uh, you know, if you would like to sow into this ministry and help us take the gospel around the world like this, we do need your help. The easiest way to do it is go to our website at lenhouse.com, and there's a place where you can give via credit card or debit card. You can set up a monthly uh, gift if you want to become a monthly partner. You can also call the number on the screen, and someone will take your call over the phone. If you don't get an answer, please leave a message. We will return your call. Or you could simply send a check or money order to the address that will come on the screen. Join us again next week as we continue this conversation concerning these things.
I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.